This episode of EmblemCast is brought to you by our loyal patrons. Rory Greer, Varun Joshi, Teenage Mutant Mitch McConnell, Sam Hartmans, Slurb King, Alex Bartnick, Spino, Cody Swinemir, and Isaac Liebler. If you would like to support the show, please go to patreon.com slash emblemcast. guys welcome back to emblem cast we are finally here it is i don't know half a decade in the making or something like that (laughs) the final final part of radiant dawn part four we're going to be covering part four up until the very end of the game today uh how are you guys feeling so (laughs) i like this game a lot you're going to be hearing me making a lot of excuses over the next hour but part four kind of sucks. Like, <laughs> I, before, if part before, three is Radiant Dawn is at best, at its best, part four is Radiant Dawn at its worst. I'm going to oh, be honest, really like, b- before we, uh, like, right before we started this call and everything, and I was talking about going through part four, like, uh, like this, this is not maybe quite revelation level, but it's like, it's close. I mean, part four was worse than I expected it to be. Yeah, <laughs> sucks. Well, you could say you could say that part four has the has the sharp contrast with like the previous parts, where Revelation's more it's more steady, just general. Yeah, you don't have Revelation at all after you know it with any recency, especially now because you're going to be like booting up Citra to do it. Uh, you know what well, you're getting into, <laughs> but Radiant Dawn uh, keeps that one in the back. Oh yeah, it's you. Right when you have a really good part and you're invested, and you want to get to the end of the story. They're like, "All right, it's going to be an absolute nightmare." I so hope you enjoy. For those of you who <laughs> yeah. are not, who have maybe not played Radiant Dawn or are a bit less familiar with it, Part Four is essentially divided into two parts of itself. Um, once everyone turns to stone and the Dark Goddess Yune is released from the Medallion, they all kind of split up into different teams uh, to go meet at the Tower in Benyon. Um, and the different teams basically are a way to keep the different armies. Like you'll have one that's mostly day and one that's mostly um, like grill mercenaries and one that's mostly the Crimea people. Yeah. And they'll keep their like money and convoy and skills and stuff. Um, and then they all really meet up at the end for the tower. And then you pick like t- 10 units. I need 16. Oh, well, ten, oh yeah, 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 10. You get to pick yeah, 10. No, you're right. There's yeah, six fours, and you get a hand. So and then there's like five maps in the tower. So yeah. the first part, the maps are universally terrible. They are yes. route maps. They are fucking slogs, especially the one with Oliver. They've got like reinforcements <laughs> after oh, reinforcements oh God, after map. reinforcements. Oh, my God. One it's of the worst horrible. maps I've played. I, I only had Ike and Nayla yeah. on that army. Uh, I can't remember why I did that. Probably because I didn't know what I was getting into. But like, well, they could well, handle themselves. They were not in any danger ever. But the reinforcements just spawn faster than they could kill them. Yeah, that map took me like. And it'll be like five in like two places at once when once yeah. you turn mm-hmm. like five the each, fa- so ten in the, total. I, it's, the, uh, it's crazy. The reinforcements are all like completely untelegraphed. They just teleport yeah. in at random ass spots on the map for all of the uh pre-tower maps and yeah. it happens like every turn 
and they're all route maps. So if you have one random enemy in a corner that you haven't gotten to, oh, well, that sucks. Six more showed up this turn. Have fun. Rinse and repeat it for about 40 painful. turns. And by this point in the game, you are not in any danger. Even the armies no. that used to suck like day and you've now moved over good units into them. So it's never in question that you will lose. It is just a tedious slog <laughs> that you have to grind your way through. Also, the sleep staff on that map is a pain in the ass, too. Yeah. They, Every they really chapter like the where there's a sleep the staff, it's a pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> should, should Once you get that. to the tower, um, it's at least a mixed bag. It's it's what I would call containing Fire Emblem maps as opposed to open fields. Uh, but it, even there, the enemies get really tanky. Your units start to run up against their caps and not being able to handle things smoothly anymore, at least not all of them, um, which can make it kind of feel a little grinding down. But there's at least challenge. The enemies are positioned in a way that makes you think somewhat sometimes. Uh, which cannot be said for the first half of part four. It's very weapon dependent as well. I've noticed even if like you're, you've hit your caps and you know, you've got like a steel ax instead of like a forged steel ax with might or whatever, you're, you're still not going to be doing great damage a lot of the yeah, time. At that point, you basically have to be using like all your best weapons, especially yeah. because you're going to get them blessed and in infinite durability in a few chapters anyway. So there's no reason not to just spam out every use of like all of your tomes and your allendites and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're like and it's six worth noting, or whatever. Now yeah. in the tower is when Har finally stops being able to double things, even after the attention <laughs> you probably gave him. Uh, so that yeah. is, is like, that true. He's, he's Har does <laughs> after, slightly after, fall off in the tower, after, okay. just a little after bit. After the first floor, yeah. Yeah. He's still not in His... danger, and he can still chuck no. things really heavily with Irvin, but he can often no longer double, which yeah. means that he after usually an falls... entire game. He finally mm -hmm. falls off a bit. He falls. His shoulders like, were sore. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, he, it's about him. like a speed or two short of doubling and then a couple strength short of uh, like one shotting stuff. Is that with like factoring caps in, I'm assuming? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So Poor guy. Poor hard. The tower is probably <laughs> one of the things that is affected most by a draft because in a normal playthrough, you know, just before Yune is like, you know, bring your strongest people here into the tower. And this is also the point where you have all the Lagoos Royals, and there's like yep. five of them. Like half half your army in a normal playthrough should just be the Lagoos Royals, who can just essentially steamroll steamroll everything in the tower. Not so using like, them is kind of an affectation, you yeah, know, as right. part of a self-imposed challenge. You're just like, well, I spent all this time training Mia, so I'm going to bring Mia. Like, fine, you can do that. It's it's not it's like it's unbeatable without them. But yeah, normally there's no reason not to use them. Right. Especially well, it's, it's, for I some enemies' hit rates and yeah. like some of the, like yeah. that dragon map. You you want some people who have either really really tanky or have like the hawk speed where they can just reliably dodge stuff. I'll also say that um have, having drafted Lucia, parody fucking shines in the tower. Parody really? is fantastic in the tower because of yeah, all of the uh, parody uh, lets you ignore like terrain bonuses. And because there's so oh, many of the terrain that, that give you yeah. like plus ten defense and res, having someone who's is who has parity means that you can get around some of that really annoying terrain. So you it actually grinded her up to be tower ready? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I gave her Allendite and she was very good. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Should also note that parity also uh disables enemy skills, also the player skills as well. Yes, it disables everything. It's just a stat important. check. 
because a lot of a lot of the final bosses here and final enemies here have basically basically counter or have some insta kill mm -hmm. insta kill skill and you if you don't have Nihil or Parody on, then you sort of either just have to just tank a lot of counter damage or just risk just getting insta blip for no for no yeah. reason essentially. And Devin can sort of testify because he's had oh, he he didn't know you needed the hill at all. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, and... for almost the entire game up to that point, it's not very useful. So I, yeah, I don't blame right. him. But yeah, at the I was end, never checking enemy skills. Skills. Yeah, <laughs> like I didn't. I wasn't aware. You got to get in the habit. We got conquest next. Oh boy! I mean, <laughs> but I'm used to it in that game. <laughs> I, uh, I you hope so. The game will yeah. punish you even harder. Those, those, those tiles in that dragon map remind me a little bit. And again, this is a game that we'll probably get into sooner rather than later. But those, uh, what are they? The like miasma tiles or something in gauge, right? I think it's yeah. also plus seven or plus eight defense and res when oh, you stand on it. it uh, the negative ones, they're minus tw they're they're plus twenty defense and res. They're plus twenty. Yeah, yeah, oh and, they're yeah. and they're minus and they're minus <laughs> that much for players. Yeah. You don't you don't want to get caught out on them, but all right, it's not it's not quite that bad. <laughs> I will yeah. say I think Ashra is a pretty good final boss gameplay. -wise. I would really like Ashra. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, like it's not going to take you one turn, which cannot be said for a disturbingly high percentage <laughs> of the remaining ones. Um, I mean, I'm sure it has been done in one turn by some crazy person, but like that's not what's playing normally. That's not going to happen, even with a bunch of royals. Um, and you have to kind of think about, you basically got to break down all the shields and then go for Ashra herself. And you'll be getting heckled by these spirits, which can chunk you down because Ashra can just like take most of your units to a little under half health. Um, so it gives your scrub something to do, killing the spirits, which I was found nice. The rest of the tower did not have something for them to do. Poor Soth is forced to play <laughs> and like can't, there's a chest in the first tower map, but then he has nothing to do for the rest of the game. He's just stuck gumming along. Poor guy. So uh, speaking of that chest, uh, there, uh, there's one little fun What's fact that, that I again? know about. Uh, it's in the very first tower chapter. No, I, I, I remember I got oh, um, it. Matrona. It's a staff. It's like oh, a double, right. Yeah. It's double S rank mm -hmm. staff, I think. Yeah. yeah. I can't remember if it's S or double S. But that that's the last chest in the game. And uh, I don't know if anyone else in here knows this, but about uh, about Volk and that chest in Radiant Dawn. But um, so in Path of Radiance, Volk charges you money to open chests. He still charges you money in Radiant Dawn. He doesn't explicitly mention it anywhere. And you have a stupid amount of money and there's literally one chest left in the game. But he does charge you money to open the chest. So if you, for some reason, don't have any money, he can't open that chest. And in Path of Radiance, there's like if you try and open it, it's just like grayed out. And then there's text that says like it's something to the effect of you not having enough money to open the chest. But they didn't you know, account for that. I could see that. that happening because you have an incentive to dump all of your money right before yeah. you've got like a prep. Yeah. So like but it you is, don't need to. And I don't recommend anyone do it. But I could easily though. see someone who's just like, oh, I'll just spend, make sure it's down to zero, even if they know the game. Well, but they don't coming know the to that, 50 gold. <laughs> yeah, it's 50 gold. Yeah. Go, coming to that, um, it it's such a niche situation that I don't think it came up in playtesting because if you don't, if you're below fifty gold and you have Volk try and open that chest, it's dummy text instead of like whatever the error message is. Oh. Like they literally <laughs> didn't think of it at any point in the in playtesting or QA or whatever they did back then. It's just dummy text now. 
in this game. Thought, there were so many variables they had to plan for. And they didn't yeah. plan for this one. They didn't plan for it. To be yeah, fair, actually... to be fair, Volk is only playable in like one map before this. Oh, yeah. So he literally get... is probably one of the least tested units. Like probably yes. him and other people he's... who you only get at the tower. Yeah, he's one of the last units you get, and he only joins you in the very last map before the tower. And this is the one and only unlockable thing in the entire game between his join and the end of the game. There's no doors, no other chests. They literally didn't think of it because it's so obscure that no one considered to double check to make sure that they fixed that. It's honestly kind of remarkable that they remembered to make it charge for him yeah, opening the chest because it's just a one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure they probably just like copy pasted something over from Path of Radiance for his like lock sure. stuff. Probably for, with like transfers and stuff as well. Maybe there is some yeah. kind of code that came over. Yeah, that's it's a weird thing to transfer over. Like, mm, yes, it's... check for gold charging. For it is the chest. single most obscure piece of Fire Emblem trivia I know. It's my favorite. I love it. We were actually talking about that before the episode started, if you guys remember. And Sheffin was saying this is the reason. This is the only reason he doesn't like Radiant Dawn. That's, that's <laughs> I, the reason uh, it's, it's a bad yeah, game for him. Yeah, it's yeah. So, yeah. so impolished. How, mm -hmm. how could, how could they let happen? <laughs> Immersion. See, really it was a 10 out of 10 game. And then uh, and then I tried to open that chest with Volk and I had to uh, yep. resell the game. I he threw his controller it. down. I broke it. <laughs> Chef, and yeah. you just have to come back when you're richer. Yeah, just just don't be poor, forehead. Don't be poor. So something, I had thought of this while I was going through part four in the past couple weeks, like many of us have been doing. Um, we haven't gotten to the story yet. We'll probably not, we'll get there shortly, because I know some people want us to talk about some of the big revelations for sure, and a particular guy's name that rhymes with Burger King. Um, but... <laughs> It doesn't rhyme with, but, you know, same initials. People call him the Burger King. But, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but something I thought that could really help improve the gameplay and story of Part 4 is so simple. You take out Map 1 of the tower, and you make it so that each of the armies fights one of the senators on their way to the tower. And instead of routes, they're kill the boss, and each yes. one is one of the main senators. So you yeah. can do, like, the Dawn Brigade folks can fight Lacan. Like, you can just do it like that. And it already, just at surface level, would make that part of the game so much more tolerable <laughs> yes. and have really, more of a reason to exist. That is the story content of that first part of Part 4. It's just cleaning up loose ends, specifically yes. senators. You're just bumping off Valtome. Um, and then Lacan is in the tower, but at the very beginning, before the stakes really get high. Well, there's, uh, all, there's and then, also the oh, and Oliver, Oliver. But there was uh, there was the uh, Hexel one. Was it Hexel? Uh, Izuka. Izuka. You, you kill no, him. He's, 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 he's not senator, a senator, but they but, do need to tie. Right. Yeah, I can't yeah. remember. There was this, some. Which you know, I appreciate. This is the big finale. You know, having you clean up those loose ends is fine. I have no problem with that. But the maps are really tedious. Yeah, we also, why is Oliver still alive? I know they have a throwaway <laughs> line about, oh, we <laughs> totally saved you and you're still alive. But I was just like thinking in the back of my head, I'm like, why? Like, it was <laughs> such a non, <laughs> is a non thing that you weren't thinking of. You're like, oh, he's like the one senator you dealt with. I do appreciate that everyone else in the game is equally baffled by his existence, especially you can bring him to the tower. And if you ever yeah. fight Zephyran, he'll be like, Oliver, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> 
<laughs> and then he's like, the fact that you're here at all is just all the evidence I need that the world should be frozen forever. <laughs> I was actually very disappointed because I recruited Oliver, so I obviously yeah. went through the process to recruit him. I was very disappointed. There's no info conversation where Ike's like, why the fuck are you here? Well, <laughs> like, I should kill you. There's a few yeah. things dropped like on, that. On that topic, though, there is a talk dialogue in that chapter where Ike tells him to rejoin the enemy because he doesn't want to deal with his shit. Oh, that is true. After he yeah. joins, he does say that. He, he says, like, could you like, please rejoin the enemy? <laughs> <laughs> no one wants Oliver around. Not a soul. Except Aaron. He drafted him. <laughs> not necessarily out of I mean, I love his <laughs> plan. Gotta love Harpsichord. And he even ended up in Smash Bros. somehow. <laughs> Is he? Is he in like a, like a sticker or something like that? No, no, no. The Power Hungry Fool. His theme is. Yeah. In- oh yeah. His, oh, his, his, okay. That's probably the only reason why like he he comes back at all, just so they could just do the so theme they could again. His theme. Yeah. <laughs> and also, they were like, I, we can't have another generic boss, can we? <laughs> <laughs> this one recruits himself. <laughs> but going. Go ahead. So going back just very quickly to the, the first half of the part four maps, like I'm sure people have said this online or, or something like that. I'm sure this is not an entirely original thought, but I could not get out of my head the entire time. All of those maps feel like um, they feel like Fire Emblem 4, like genealogy maps, just in terms of not quite the same size, obviously, but the enemy density, the same amount like of like cloud. Yeah, like <laughs> giant clouds of enemies, but, all, but they're also like all route, which is not yeah. what that game is as well. So it just makes it, I don't know, it makes it so much worse. Those, yeah, th- yeah those yeah. maps and are genealogy pain in didn't the have ass. those reinforcements either. No, and then you have the Tibarn map with that stupid, the one that's killed a boss with that stupid boss that just like teleports around constantly. I don't know exactly what the trigger for that is. I'm sure there's. Something I think it's just being close enough to him. He'll I think so. He, once you're great. threatening him, he'll pull out. And that's that's Izuka. Yeah. That's Izuka, the Izuka yeah. chapter. I, that was Izuka. Okay. I didn't notice. I killed him in one turn. Yeah. Well, I killed what, in oh, one round of combat. Yeah, that's one okay. of those things where, like, if you don't know to just instantly <laughs> just hit him immediately, then it, then yeah. it becomes a way bigger problem. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I think on hard mode, he spawns in a different spot that's harder to reach but you can still just one turn it yeah but well I, when I, I when i did it um i didn't i mean maybe if you had two range but i remember he spawned in like that little middle island area and he had uh just like lagoos all around him so you couldn't at least with the melee unit unless you're doing one two range like hand axe or something you, you can't get in there uh instantly you could you could you have the hair on so you can refresh and uh, yeah, yeah you've got to use celerity boots dancer yeah okay yeah. okay yeah or to barn or yeah <laughs> or to barn who's like hey i'm gonna fuck you up and yeah he does which darren loaned me for that chapter thank you yeah darren. of course I, appreciate I, have, it. I have that ability to lend you he does across your, yep. your playthrough uh also i guess worth <laughs> mentioning uh did someone draft him yeah chef and draft him um uh, on a second playthrough, if you spare Peleus, uh, he will join in part four, and he is the only dark mage in Telius. Uh, hey, there's two. There's two. Who's the other yeah, one? Yeah, the other one. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. Oh. 
he, techni- he technically but you would have to like give him a weapon to do that but he can right. technically use dark magic yeah it's just <laughs> but Peleus also sucks so, <laughs> so bad well, Peleus and Kurth are our two part four units that like they seem like they're intended to be growth like a Nino kind of situation where they're like a late game growth unit but Radiant Dawn, you live and die by your caps. So even yeah. if you pour everything into it, they still will not be impressive. Especially because sages are kind of rough in this game because of how slow they are, even at their caps. And Peleus is very far from his own caps, and his own cap isn't very good. So he's just built to struggle. That man was... There's nothing going for him. Yeah, and I would, I would say the worst... Prince Peleus. The worst thing about <laughs> Peleus to me is that so he spawns he joins on the first map for the Tabarn Tabarn group. Yep. But he joins turn three. So it's like <laughs> you start in the corner and you move out and then turn three and he's a sa- he's he's a sage, so he can't walk very fast. He can't catch up at all. So you have to just slow down. But if you slow it. down, then more reinforcements spawn. Yeah. <laughs> Did you use yeah. him at all? I, I I dumped a bunch of EXP into him, yeah, and I did yeah. I did bring him to the tower, but he, he he accomplished nothing. Let's let's just let's, <laughs> <laughs> he, he, hey, he was there's another late game sage join who also contributed similarly, who I also dumped EXP into, who also oh? did like nothing. Who's that? His name is Tormod. The game forgot about <laughs> it, but we didn't. I think uh. it's it's so funny to look at like. Peleus and Tormod and compare them to even Bastion who joins at the same time as them but he joins level 10 tier 3 with like solid enough base stats and is like perfectly usable. Yeah, yeah. there's a bunch of units like Volk is also like that or Renning yeah. like you can use them fine they're okay. If someone is joining in part 4 they need to be at least that good. Yeah, they need to be because like, like Renning and Bastion and Volk are solid. They're nothing to write home about. But if you wanted to use them, you can. But God help you if you're going to use Peleus or Tormod. It is an actual or Vi- struggle. Or or Vika. Or Vika. <laughs> I was just going to say, did you use her at all, Huster? Because I, she joins I in the same chapter, right? I yeah, she joins in yeah. that Oliver chapter with infinite reinforcements. So I I locked her in the chest closet and just blocked it uh, with me <laughs> to keep her alive. Um, and then never used her again uh, yeah. because she's awful. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't. I had a bunch of units like when the time for the tower came. I guess maybe because I didn't draft um, like forced ones very much, but mm-hmm. I had to leave behind units that I actually used. Oh yeah. So Vika was not even in consideration. <laughs> <laughs> I had to. Uh, I had to leave behind Left, which sucked because I act mine was actually like capped in all of her offensive stats. And that's when you that get was, Laguz gems for her. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was like, unironically uh, kind of hyped to bring her into the tower. I'm like, I want to see you, if she does well. But I had to you, cut you her. You mean liar, right? You, you had liar. I had left. That, that's what I meant. Yes. I meant liar. Yeah, I was, was kind of like, wait, what? yeah, yeah. Don't worry. I used the you correct. Just it. It. He used liar so much that she promoted into left. Yeah, when she was left, it would have sucked she's way She's a left less. trainee. I wish Kaiser was left. Oh my god, Kaiser's <laughs> one of the worst units I've ever seen. <laughs> I had to leave behind Brom and Meg, 
Um, I was deciding which yeah. of them to leave behind, and then I realized that I had even one fewer <laughs> slot. So I was like, okay, like well, guess I'll make the choice easy at least. <laughs> it was uh, pretty easy to decide that Leonardo and Dev Dan don't need to go anywhere near the rest Man. of the crew. Oh. Leo didn't make it. What Poor a shame. Guys. Did you bring Do you know a bigger shame? Freaking Dev Dan. Holy shit. What a <laughs> mediocre All the character. Knights kind of, I mean, in my experience, when I've tried to use them, they've kind of been set behind and not impressive their availability doesn't help them but i did salvage astrid she was pretty solid by the end joffrey is pretty great granted he had like really good uh growth uh bonuses or the uh the stat bonuses from my import from path of rates because my joffrey had almost naturally fully capped stats so he was like a beast but even then a lot of the mounted units are kind of let down by their uh stat caps Oh, I yeah. will say that yeah. Khalil is also notable because she's a flame mage who can use Rex, uh, Rex Flame, which is the SS Fire Tome, which gives like plus three speed, which does help their the crappy Sage Cap oh, wow. out more. Mm-hmm. And also isn't Tor mod, so she's like the only <laughs> user of it. <laughs> and her the main is harder than Sonicky's. That, that and too, if you were yeah. really optimizing, you could have her and Largo's like stat imports if you're really optimizing yeah. yourself. Cap, Cap Largo's magic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Cap is strength to help her with the, I, with yes. the something. Sonicky yeah. kind of blows as well. Uh, that was, oh, yeah. I mean, I didn't. Yeah. For a unit that's essentially a lord, that was kind of annoying. She I don't needs know. to be there for story. I don't know. They I didn't guess. have to make her good, but they should have they made didn't her have to make to her contribute. suck. They could like, have just given her a speed stat, and there you go. She would or, have been or fine. Or a staff rank. Or yeah. a staff yeah. rank, yeah. Either or. They yeah. they were trying to reflect something in the story. They were trying to show off the similarities between Snaki and Micaiah because their stats are basically reflective of one another. They yeah, have low yeah. HP, terrible speed, terrible defense, and they're a lord you have to deploy. And if you put them just out of the, not in the right area, they're going to get absolutely destroyed by a reinforcement or a flyer. <laughs> well, it's a lot of siblings. And now you have you two of those have in the deploy. tower. You technically don't have to deploy Sonicy. She's brought, but you can still go into the menu and just unselect you, yeah. her. Yeah. There's oh, certain okay. maps where you have to deploy her, but yes. Yeah. yeah. But yes. speaking of the t- tower and forced units, it's kind of weird just how many forced units they give you. It's annoying. The and like most of them all suck. So you have <laughs> you have Mike who's like, all right, good, good. You're gone. Right? Micaiah mm-hmm. just got to tier three literally before you got to the tower. <laughs> she still has like zero speed. The fact right. Even she... if she had capped speed, she can't double the general. It's the first yeah. floor of the tower. So the it's like totes are garbage. Yeah. For, in my experience. Yeah, they're not the fact good. That she but she doesn't promote earlier is insulting. I yeah. promote at the start of part four and she promotes at the end. She can't even even, mit, even miss promotes Annie. earlier. She does. <laughs> then, then you have Soth, who's got thief, who's got thief, thief strength cap, and the first floor he is all off. it's like all generals. Like, what is yep. what is a thief he, gonna do against generals? Soth falls off hard. He's got that one he chest. Terrible one in that chest. part of the game. That's then like his so- only contribution in the tower. Yes. <laughs> then Sonicy, who is just, just Makaya, but also bad. Yeah. Yeah. Then Kurth Naga, a dragon. <laughs> My boy! Who's meant to be sucks. trained with the worst tide 
and it's also like, uh, hey, then, but it's not he the same thing. Shift, like, if you don't okay. want to make him a good combat unit, that's fine, but then make him a good support unit, let him contribute. And he's what Anna is, <laughs> right? And Anna is also forced, which if is also like, why? <laughs> from, I at least she's even got from blood a narrative tied, perspective, but, yeah, from narrative, like, but like, she doesn't have that much narrative presence there like her only yeah. thing is when you go yeah. to the dragon map she's like oh grandfather and that's it what are that's, you doing that's yeah point. that's it that she was there for like three lines of dialogue with her and this year and that's it you know what that's her, a her, lie that's a lie after you clear the map she she tells the dragon king like hey your son passed peacefully which any other character also could have delivered like ike was there tibarn was there like you know anyone could have said that. i can see how they ended up in this situation because you want like story relevant units to be in the tower yeah. in the story um and then also they wanted the tower to be like full deployment with who you bring right. so you end but, up clogged up with these yeah. forced people so but they could have just not done that though technically for the story like nasalo is not forced deployed for the tower and you know the first the first floor of the tower addresses like the blood contract and yeah. is admitted probably retcon <laughs> that changes him which we'll get to the story a bit what do you think and Nasalos probably should be forced to deploy in the tower, and he would have been like one of the second good unit forced to deploy. Yeah. Out of the seven, he would be number two. Wow. You, you had yeah, that luxury. The, uh, the acknowledgement of the of that, we'll, I mean, we'll get into the story, but like the acknowledgement of that blood pact, if you don't bring him, is just so offhand. They're like, oh, we'll tell him later. <laughs> it's literally what they do. So it's like, hey, him. he had a second one of these. That's crazy. Who's this for? <laughs> yeah, Peleus also has dialogue if you bring him into the tower. Fair, fair as well, yeah, which is admittedly second playthrough, but he's not he's he's not forced deployed or forced to be brought to the tower. So again, also like, why are some people's story presence brought and some aren't? But any other any other gameplay things or units you just want to absolutely rag on before we <laughs> move on to the story? I want to I want to give an honorable mention to Fiona who finally. Oh. I, I got, you know, I <laughs> used the priest trick in part one, so I basically cheated to get her levels. Um, but by part four in the tower, she was, like, running around one-rounding things. It was, like, happening. Wow. And then she hit mm. the paladin strength cap. And, uh... <laughs> and that was sad. She was only killing spirits. She was useful for, like, half the tower. Which, you know, that that's something. You know, More at least if you put the work in, she say. will be good for any amount of time. Uh, that's not true for Vika, so I guess grading <laughs> on a curve. Uh, but, I think uh, the one thing I want to end off sort of on gameplay with is that sort of two points, and one of them's tied to some story stuff, and the other one is just general gameplay thoughts. Is part four in general? My I haven't done a full playthrough of Radiant Dawn since I reviewed it for my YouTube channel like almost ten years ago, like forever ago. And I had such better memories of Part 4 back then. I did not remember <laughs> it being such a slog. And even on the maps where it's like, you know, defeat the boss and it's like a big boss fight. Outside of the Black Knight's uh, tower chapter, they all just feel like such a slog to me. Especially, and even with a draft, you have such few deployment slots, you're kind of always going to be bringing like a similar crew and so I guess in a normal playthrough, you have the Royals. Sure, that can speed things up. But it just there's so many mechanics in play to force you to just go through shit in the tower. Just make it more of a like a 
meat grinder than it needs to be. Like all those generals and in the first floor, all the dragons and the annoying tiles that give them huge defense buffs. So you need to spend multiple units to kill them and just the spirits and how they'll shield people. And you know, it's, there's so many annoying mechanics and it felt like they should have just laid off and let you get to the parts, especially cause part four was already stretching it. And then by the time you're in the tower, you're like, I'm ready to wrap it up. And no yeah. other Fire Emblem game has this many levels to an end game. It's always, okay, here's your big final map. And this one's like, like that well, dragon two map. two parts, I would say. Because, you know, you've got like FE7 where you got the kind of like intro part sure. and the boss. Yeah. But, but you only really remember like the one with the boss. Yeah. yeah. You know? Whereas this one is like, like the fighting like the dragons could have been a Fire Emblem final map in many other games. Many games or it is. Some random yeah. <laughs> it's it's like three binding blades. <laughs> I think there were two competing philosophies for the gameplay of part four that killed each other. One of them is that they wanted to give your chance to show off with your powerful units now that you've gotten them there. You know, so that's what the waves of enemies they were think like, oh, you know, you can clear out a giant field. That'll be cool, right? Because they didn't realize that it never is. But you know, that's the idea, I think. You can show off with your good units now. And then the other one is, this is the final level. Things should be challenging. The generals should have any speed so that not everyone can double them. But it creates like a weed and chaff scenario that, especially with the caps, means that so much of your army is just really hindered in dealing with things quickly or effectively. And it makes the whole thing really, really slow. Yeah, I think they also wanted to just have a chance for all the armies to be combined into one sort of party since you've spent the mm-hmm. entire game uh, jumping around. But at the same time, they also you have everyone join at the start of part four and then immediately split up again. Just so you can yeah. jump around again. Just so you can jump yeah. around more. And then you get to the tower and everything can finally come together and then you only select like five ten. units. <laughs> ten yeah. units because yeah. you have so many force deployed. Exactly. Or force brings. And that brings me to number two of my gameplay complaint. And that is the hammer should not be effective against the Black Knight because, (laughs) by God, it trivializes that fight and it undercuts one of the most important parts of, like, this whole Tellius Saga's story, which is Ike and the Black Knight. It makes it really anticlimactic. What? Is that a thing? Yeah, Yeah, we're all veterans. I think most people Mm -hmm. will use Ragnell the first time. That's what I did, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you just just plug it out. You're like, all right, boom, 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 boom. Yeah, right, he, because he's, uh, he's not. Unlike in the the fight in Path of Radiance, where his armor is blessed, his armor is not blessed in uh, Radiant Dawn, which means you can beat him up with anything. So if you gave Ike a hammer, you can just like destroy him. Right. It, like you, good. you literally can do like you could probably if you get lucky, like you might be able to one round him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Generally, yeah. you'll two round. You'll. You know, yeah. two battles. Once you know about that, the map is just like, how fast can I get Wishblade before choosing yeah. to end it on my turns? <laughs> yeah, I that was basically what the map was for me. Yeah, I think they there there was probably complaints about the FE9 uh, Ike versus Black Knight fight, where even even if you have probably. capped uh, Ike, then it's it's still the fight's still actually heavily in favor of the Black Knight in, term, in terms of RNG. Yeah. I mean, the real problem with that is just that you can't, it's not its own chapter, so you can't reset it. Right. You've got to play a long it, chapter before it, which incentivizes you to just be like, fuck this and run away because it's so Right, but even, even, if, even if it was just its own thing, the odds are still actually stacked against Ike, even, even if you do everything right, basically. 
But it seems they completely overcorrected for the Radiant Dawn Black Knight fight, which I give it gives it some narrative disservice. But we can uh, we can get into that. Any yeah. final gameplay things anyone wants to mention? I just I I I mean we've complained a lot about the the pre tower maps. I really don't like the tower maps either. <laughs> I, I I just I don't know the the dragon one with Degencia is a pain in the ass. The Sephron one is I don't know. It's just annoying. It's just stupid. It's it's I think Fire Emblem for a long time, including this game. For the most part, for the most part, has struggled with boss design because honestly, just what you were just saying, Sheffin, where it's like, how do we, especially in a one on one environment like that, like, how do we make a scenario where we can have like a fighting, thrilling boss fight between two characters in a game where, listen, we all love Fire Emblem here, but you know, there, there's strategic elements, equipping weapons, blah, 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 but the actual combat is just pressing A on a guy. <laughs> or hitting end turn and it ends up just being random number generation so i think that's why they res like they the black knight probably was how it was in um in path of radiance and they overcorrected with him in this game but then you've also got uh and i understand there's the whole blessing weapon thing but you've got degencia with this obnoxious skill that it's like if you don't use the exact right weapon on him he takes zero damage and all of these like super pumped up enemies with the dragons and and the tiles and then with Sephirin, it's just annoyance it's like i dude i want to just like hit you and kill you but <laughs> he's just like keep spawning these stupid little wisps around you i i don't know i don't know i think that's something they've improved upon over time the bosses have gotten better in the series in terms of pure gameplay uh perspective but yeah i don't know that that's my thoughts on the tower yeah it's it's meant to be a giant boss rush, but all the, all the bosses are a pain in the ass for the tower or the complete pushovers. Or yeah, like well, a that boss, which to be fair slug. is generally true for the series. Well, that's what I'm they saying. I think a lot it. of a lot of the times they have gotten better at it, but a lot of the times in this era of Fire Emblem, like the in you know, it's like okay, in a game like this, in a, in a chess like strategy game how do we create an enemy that feels threatening but is still fair and a lot of the times they just result to things that annoy the player and it's it's frustrating but as i said they, they've they've definitely improved on that let's let's get to story so oh baby Aaron, so, you want to talk about the black knight and <laughs> It's your time. Take the floor. You've been, you've been waiting like <laughs> what five years to talk about this. So, so with Radiant Dawn, I think my biggest issue with the Black Knight is the reveal and how they handle it, which we went over last right. time. But the the second part of that is that it reveals that the Black Knight's agency was not entirely his own. That he was at the beck and call of Seraphin, and he was Seferin, and he was always following his orders and the only thing he did to deviate for the plan was the stuff with grail everything else he was following his orders which is kind of lame because in path of radiance he's this darth vader like figure he's always doing stuff you're like what's he up to what's his end game and then his end game is it's whatever sephron tells me is it's not i have a i want to accomplish his objective it's i'm just doing what he wants me to do sephron does tell him to back off in path of radiance and he's like okay but the excuse given then is that that's the Prime Minister of Banyan, the Black Knight's not just going to fucking assassinate him and bring Banyan into yeah. the war, which yeah. works perfectly fine at the time. Yeah, so you it's don't not an issue anything there. from this game to explain that. 
And it's also, more so just as a point of nothing he's done has outside of Grail has been his own choice. Chef, and were you about to interject with something? I, I was gonna, I was gonna say with the Sephiroth telling him to back off in Path of Radiance. It's te- technically he does that at a point where you, you don't actually know Sephiroth is the prime minister, and it's just like Sephiroth just has that mysterious aura of like mm, this guy was in the prison and somehow broke himself out and was able to get the Black Knight. Like, mm, what's up with this guy? So you could say there's a bit of hinting there in terms of Severin's sort of big plan that the Black Knight will respect, but same time, like, yeah, Huster's right. And it's, it's yeah, also it, it works with... either way, is my point, I guess. You don't really need to know, you don't need their relationship to be what it is in Radiant Dawn for that to make sense. Yeah. And I think it would have been better, I think I would have preferred it and I think it would have made more sense if they were more so partners than like kind of master and servant. If it was a thing where maybe they had this end game where he was like, you know what? I've suffered as a, you find out he's a branded. That's why he always wears heavy armor. And you find out that he, he, maybe he's like, yeah, I agree with your point of view that we need to like wipe the slate clean. Nothing's changed more. So, Oh, I'm sad. Grell's leaving. Oh, you're going to, Okay, you know what? Oh, you gave me cool armor so I can hang out with Grail more. Oh, but then he left. Oh, I'm sad again. Okay, let's go do your plan. Like, I, I just wish there was more to it than that. And it undermines, like, such a great and powerful character. And it's also a thing where the more you hear about Zelgius in uh, Radiant Dawn, because in Path of Radiance, you really don't know much about him. It's only, oh, yeah, he's a pretty good general. Whereas here, they're like, oh, yeah, he's the best swordsman in all of Benyon. He's the world's greatest general. It's like, why did no one in Dane go, hey... This guy who just showed up wearing heavy armor is a fantastic swordsman, has two blessed blades that only are in Benyon that he must have gotten, clearly has connections to Benyon. Is this not, you know, throwing any question marks for anyone? No flags? I was just thinking about it. Like, surely the Zelgius identity should be the one that uses Aladite. I guess yeah. no one knows that much about the Banyan treasures. It's, it's also, it's also. I think it's part of it is they retroactively built up Zelgius more and more for this game. But at the same yeah. time, it, it it's one of those retroactive things where it kind of undermines some of the intrigue and mystery of Path of Radiance, which is true of any story that has a plot twist. So yeah, that's my whole thing. I just wish he had more agency because he is this classically built up super cool villain and at the very least like you i think i like the resolution you get with him and ike how it goes from this thing where ike's like i'm going to kill you you killed my dad i hate you i detest you i want to kill you to a point where he's like seeing him as like a rival and an equal and a a goal to aspire to and at the end of it they kind of have this strange begrudging respect for each other like when he finally finishes off zelgius he's not like fuck you like i avenge my dad it's more like hey like, thanks, right? In a weird way, like, thanks for helping me get to this level of power and strength and respect. I like that as an endpoint for the two of them, but replaying it again, it felt very rushed. Uh, yes. They have one, like, optional fight in part three if you, like, set it up specifically. Yes. But otherwise, they have not <laughs> seen each other since Path of Radiance. And it takes one fight and some very badly voice acted Zephyran memories and suddenly Ike's like, you know what? You're not a bad dude, Zelgius. Uh, I think that could have been done a bit better. That's a that's a problem in general with part four. Um, the voice acting is terrible. And because part four is the big grand finale, there's a lot more of it, which uh, 
Counterintuitively, it lowers the production value considerably. Uh, the presentation takes a sharp decline because of that. Um, Sephiran especially becomes a huge joke when you're like listening to his memories every chapter and it's like this doofy like, oh yes, I'm a branded now. I found a challenge in Dayan. <laughs> they yeah. sound so like bored and confused. Yeah, that's true. I, I will say I kind of like Zelhius's voice. The delivery is not perfect. I think that's partly a direction thing, but I think the voice actor yeah. did a pretty good job with it. And he sounds kind of commit, like, especially in the part three cutscenes where he fights Randolph. I was like, oh, like, you know, like I, I could buy this yeah. guy. As this game goes, it's pretty good. I think in general, when you've got bad video game voice acting, it's usually more of a direction problem than anything yeah. else. Yeah. It's also uh, it's also sort of, sort of a product of the era too, like English voice acting in what two thousand eight wasn't really a big thing like it is now for like how massive the, like the anime dubbing industry is for example. I would like, say two thousand eight was probably the turning point because you would have yeah. stuff like yeah. Uncharted, you had Metal Gear Solid, you had like several Metal Gear Solid games up to that mm -hmm. point. Like there was a turning point in the industry that year, and this game was not at that turning no. point. It was very a lot of a lot of Japanese. A lot of Japanese localized RPGs were not yeah, like Sea Star Ocean, The Last Hope, or uh, so many other games. Oh, what's it? Infinite Undiscovery, where it's like the dinner dance. Like, there's just so many examples of not amazing voice acting and direction from that era. I think, by the way, I think 07. I think all the games, including this one that we just mentioned, are 07. <laughs> not 08. Oh, okay. It's um, November 07. Yeah, Mass Effect, be... Mass Effect was around this time as well. The original. Yeah, one. like I said, a turning, yeah. like a turning yeah. point. Yeah. Like this, this console generation of like PS3, 360, Wii was like a big turning point in in the production values of the industry and it's, it's especially things to do with story were getting taken a lot more seriously than they had been in the past. I, I mean, I even in retrospect. Just, oh, sorry. Well, I, I was just gonna say quickly, Justin, like, um, defense this game a little bit. All of those games that we've been mentioning, other than uh, Metal Gear Solid, but that game was already, I mean, even the like original MGS game on PlayStation 1 has pretty solid voice acting for the most yeah, part. Yeah, it's a trailblazer. Um, yeah, it's it's totally a trailblazer. But all those games besides uh, Metal Gear Solid 4 are non-Japanese games. And this, this is a Japanese game where they're probably focusing less on English dubbing and, and things yeah. like that at that point. So it, it makes a little bit more sense. Certainly. And even in retrospect, like Path of Radiance voice acting is just as bad, but it stands out less because there's less of it and it was on the GameCube. Ike! <laughs> it's so awkward because that actor is trying to match like the lip movement and it's like yeah. so obvious and it's so awkward because yep. of it. well that's where a lot of that stuff comes from i think they just don't want to reanimate those cutscenes, but they yeah. want it to match up with the lip movement <laughs> so yeah it's funny at least we got the rolf line right what if i hit her <laughs> um, so here's something that i realized after beating the game as like an oh wait what uh that i don't think i've ever heard anyone talk about so yune the dark goddess who possesses micaiah and basically bumps her out of the way uh, as a main character for most of part four she was like hugely part of ike's mom dying like that was what made grail go berserk um i don't think they bring it up at all no <laughs> nope. And it's only I, something I, that I you really get the in uh, the second playthrough. 
like the actual flashback with uh, with uh, Elena and and Grell is from playthrough two. Yeah. yeah. That but, but, that's what made it sink in. But like that makes the juxtaposition even weirder because Ike knows this. Ike has heard the story from Volk about like why Grail did what he did, and he knows that it was Yune in the medallion. Like, you you think he'd maybe have some issues with that? Like maybe he could get over them because saving the world's more important. But I don't know. I would think it would be like at least a base conversation. Like you killed my mom. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> maybe he just accepted that. Like, all right, the medallion was just all chaotic bad energy and you know Yune just that's just the energy she just gives off and he was like alright whatever <laughs> she you gives know, off like, I'm not a dark goddess vibes. I'm just a chaos goddess it's a totally inherently <laughs> neutral thing and Ike's like that's great but my mom is dead because of you <laughs> Ike's just um, that cool now I like Yune honestly I think she's funny like kind of a she's playful really do like, like childlike goddess who like doesn't know what's going on but is also like way chiller about stuff like when she finds out about the branded she's like oh my god this is really bad um, but the problem is that Makaya basically doesn't exist for most of part four because of that which is a yep. big shame she's quite literally a vehicle for Yune. Yep. I mean to be complete I mean I don't know to be a fair little bit again the first half of it, Makaya wouldn't have been there much to begin with since we're swapping between all these four armies as well. So the three armies, I don't remember, but three, yeah, three either armies. way. Yeah, it just feels like, but then it, it just feels weird to have Makaya there, but also not, but also have understanding, but also doesn't advance anything. Yeah, and yeah. So, and so, so it's just like, all right, I, I get, I get, I guess my girlfriend is just possessed by a dark god now, or a chaotic yeah, we, god. Speaking yeah. of surprisingly cool with Yune, yeah. I mean, Makaya tells him it's fine, so I get it. But yeah, like and Yune then, is only in cutscenes. She could have just been in the ghosty form, and that would have been fine. And then she can show up when she's going to say stuff, and the Makaya can be around, and they can have conversations with each other, which would be valuable, especially because Makaya is like the true apostle. So. That big missed opportunity there. Um, I guess yeah, they didn't or, want to draw a sprite for her. Yeah, or, that's, or just I was going to go, say. I was yeah. going to say, or go completely off the rails. Just have Yune stay as the bird and just have a talking bird. That would be True. fine, too. Right. That, that would be that would be, that'd be pretty funny. And then we could, we could just... It's just a bird. It's just a bird, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just a bird. It's just a chaotic, it's just a chaotic god bird. <laughs> Which also, like how the, did the whole bird thing work while she was in the medallion? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> She's because Makai is like, oh yeah, I've always heard this voice, and I've always kind of just had this bird friend. Come <laughs> yeah, to think of it, bird friend, like, why are you like eighty years old? Coming from the bird. <laughs> Yeah, actually, that's a good a good question. So she's always had she's always had this bird, which is Yune, but Yune's also always been in the medallion, mm. and the medallion and has. I'll never really been in Dayan aside from a little bit with Ashnard and Grail. He doesn't even associate with the medallion until the end of part three. Yeah. yeah. I don't even Makai, think he's yeah. in the same room as the medallion at any point mm -hmm. until right before everyone turns into stone. Yeah. Makai, yeah. Makai has no idea. I can what buy Yune's voice reaching her even despite the medallion. But wh the bird. But why, feels like where's a bit the much. bird? Where did yeah. the bird come from? The bird was an extra level they didn't need to go to, especially because if she is supposed to be the true apostle, you know, the, the whole thing is you're supposed to hear the voice of the goddess. So 
Sure. Why is the voice of the you, goddess yeah, did, a bird? Did all the other apostles have a bird like <laughs> be the voice of the goddess for them? Oh, yeah, I hope not. Through. This is us being a bit pedantic and really yeah, pushing a point for a joke. Not we, just in case there's people out there who are going to get offended or take offense to us. No, kind of we're entirely on serious. We've stumbled upon no, yeah, the yeah. greatest plot plot discrepancy <laughs> in all of Fire Emblem. I actually thought of a thing is basically just like fridge logic. Like, oh yeah, wait. I, I don't really have a serious problem with the ending because of that. I don't know if this was ever answered, but I think I found like a bigger plot question I have. <laughs> all right, go So if, please okay. correct me if I'm mistaken this. So you find out that Seraphine is Lairahan, who is like the heron who sealed the goddess away, yada, yada, yada. You find out that he's been around this whole time and that he got so upset with how the world was, particularly when his GF got murdered. He was like, fuck this. This is terrible. Things are never getting better. I need to do something. I need to like just wipe the slate clean. We'll start over. So he's been masterminding all this shit. And you find out he's like the true architect of the Mad King's War and that like it was his aim to unleash Yune and cause this whole light of judgment thing to happen back then so my question is how come all that stuff didn't happen in path of radiance like in terms of why didn't he go wake up ashera during path of radiance when literally everyone was at war because technically everyone wasn't at war because the wolves weren't a part of the program. <laughs> Come on, oh we God. don't the know the I wolves were added or the main thing but ina and know. nazir were there right but the wolves weren't I think the that, wolves the wolves didn't exist wolves until Path of Radiance. They were not they were clearly not that thought out. I, that's that, I, that's it. That's that's the I, only I, thing I got. Because I apparently like, because go no, go ahead, Katie. Sorry. I feel like it's because Deencia wasn't present. It wasn't Goldoa represent like the country of Goldoa wasn't in that war. Goldoa in like Two Goldoans were in that war, or more like one, really. What about Rajad? Yeah, Rajad. Okay, then, the then we can do two. Then we can say two. We can stick with two. But I think it's I'm just saying. It's I'm like, just saying. Is the difference that Vedantics? It feels like all the pieces were there, and I feel like the only real almost, reason is because we wanted to make a second game. Yeah. I, I mean, would maybe it was going it, to, but then. But, uh, Ashnar did his like second phase thing and harnessed all that energy instead or something. Well, um, from, so I'd have to reread cause there is, um, in the Seferin chapter, there's a whole big info dump with the Goldoans where like Gareth and Nasir tell Kurthnaga basically like everything that happened from Goldoa's perspective during the Mad King war. I would have to reread it and can't really do that in this context, but I think in there, like Ashnard was making efforts to get to drag Goldoa into the war mm -hmm. because he knew that he knew that they were going to be the most difficult thing. He was well aware of Goldoa's just like true neutral neutrality policy. It's um it's like when he had um whatever the his wyvern mount's name, Rajayan, I think, or something like that, captured, Goldoa sent like a troop of warriors out to like retrieve him or i think i don't remember if those it was are the unfair, feral like, dragons you fight in yes history. those were the, yeah. the dragons that izuka took and made into feral dragons and i think after that happened i, I think it sort of solidified dagencia's position of like we can't get involved we are dangerously close and i remember something specific in that dialogue again i don't have the script of it in front of me but it was gareth basically says something to the effect of like they were extremely close because Degencia very nearly personally got involved during the Mad King War. 
and he didn't because he was defeated by Ike and everyone else. So like they they like barely dodged it essentially. I I I I, I thinking I'm starting to come back to me. I think the dialogue was actually that if Ike didn't immediately beat Ashnard, then then basically yes. all of all of Goldo then would have just burned all of Tellius in just yeah. pure rage. So yeah. we could we could say that that was originally Laron's plan was just to have the dragons just destroy everything. Okay, but no, at the, but at the same time, that's not really hinted at too I feel much like in Path of Radiance, which goes back to the they, original point. They that, would have, yeah, that you're right. They would have. I think they had said something like they would have burned like the whole of Talia's to the ground, which would have naturally brought them into the war because it's not like Dane and Ashnar would have been like, oh well, guess we're all dead. And they would have clashed with Goldoa and then thus meeting the conditions for the medallion or for mm-hmm. Ashra's reawakening. Okay. It was basically just Degencia doing everything in his power to not get involved, even though he really wanted to, but he, because he was, he was alive during Altina's time when this originally yeah. happened. Mm-hmm. So he is the most aware person alive of the consequences of him getting involved, which is why I think he tried everything in his power to not get involved. Yeah. yeah, you're right. You're right. I was just more so thinking like, oh, man, like all the pieces were then it seems like they very in, nearly in work. Radiant Dawn. The only reason Ashura wakes up is because Lerahan goes up and goes, hey, wakey, wakey. Well, um, it's sort of, but it also it, 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 and because everyone's involved, but it feels like he could have yeah. done that. It feels like he could have realistically done it at either point. To me. Well, he's I mean, if you're that old, then like the it's like a two year time difference right or three three oh, that was five. yeah i could easily see this just him being like okay now we're working from here like it doesn't it's just a little blip yeah in the plan yeah the difference in why the conditions are nearly met in radiant dawn at the end of part three were because of kirk naga because he's a mm-hmm. royal representative he's not the ruler of goldoa itself but he's next in line so sorry rajan you don't count condition. you became a nope, dirty feral feral wyvern you don't count you're, you're <laughs> personally being involved so Kurthnag is the only one that counts from Goldoa, you're saying? Well, and the, no, I guess. Well, Ina and Nasir obviously didn't. No. Right. But <laughs> it, the Feral it, ones obviously didn't. In yeah. the context of Radiant Dawn, him being there just counts as like, alright, Goldoa is technically participating in the war. Yeah, the and nation also, that, of Goldoa. So it has to be royalty or some kind of leader? Is that, it, I mean, so it, it, it just has to be semantics. Except, the, except the Elder Prince. <laughs> Right. That's but, what I was gonna say. Because couldn't you technically couldn't like Stefan technically have just rounded up? You know, I don't remember the exact number of countries, but you know, five or six different guys. I, I think. It, well, yeah, because the Black I, Knight I, just Kool Aid man's because, in. Because yeah. <laughs> that doesn't really meet the condition of the entirety of Tellius being at war. If a couple of stray Goldoans are involved, like they were in the Mad King War, Goldoa as a nation was not involved, but Kurthnaga as royalty is in effect, a representative of um, of Goldoa. And they actually make a big deal about that during mm. uh, part yeah, three, that Kurth Naga himself was on the field. And I think they mentioned, talk about it more in part four as well, that it more or less is his fault. I think yeah. in, the, in that conversation in the tower, they basically just said it was anyway. his fault. Yeah, they do. They do. I'm just poking fun that Rajan, the elder prince, doesn't count, no, he count. <laughs> by, by the writer's omission. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll stand I, by. I'm mostly it's teasing wolves. at that. <laughs> it's the wolves. The wolves, wolves aren't is there funnier. The, the radiance. Wolves is funnier. It's also way faster than everything I just said. 
the wolves are the eagles of uh this 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 (laughs) world like in lord of the rings it's like oh just take the eagles to mordor it's like well the wolves weren't there everyone's like everyone's like damn it we forgot about the wolves (laughs) laurent's like oh i should have just gone across the desert (laughs) he does nail has a boss conversation with him where he's like oh man i didn't really know about this and you guys don't discriminate against branded that's kind of weird and uh hmm I didn't really think about this when I was doing my plan. And she's like, yeah. yeah, you shouldn't do that plan, dumbass. And he's like, well, you'd probably convince me if you talked to me long enough. Uh, so I'm going to stop talking to you. <laughs> uh, yeah. It just... I really, Sephiroth has great boss conversations, though. Like, especially oh, yeah. because so many characters do not really, like, there would be no reason for them to have boss conversations with Ashra. There's no personal connection there, so they don't. But Sephiroth is like the political final boss. So he has conversations with so many people. I saw, I didn't even know, he had a conversation with like Astrid and I didn't even know that was a thing until I had her just attack him at one point and they just had like an exchange. Like Radiant Dawn, especially in the tower, it truly is just chock full of random boss interactions. You see, Especially that's the thing unit would just die immediately. So you'd never see it. <laughs> that's the thing the team was focused on. They weren't looking oh, sure. at they weren't looking through the code of charging gold per chest. They were no. they were writing dialogue for that <laughs> encounter for all these yes. different characters. Well, I mean, that's also like the uh, race in Ashnard conversation. Yeah. Where Ash- yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, where Ashnard literally lays out the entire the entire reason he does his entire motivation, like ah yes, this one conversation that literally kills the character, which literally point point three percent of all players will ever even trigger purposely. Which yeah, you'd have to Rayson will die. He can't survive. He will. <laughs> you will just sacrifice your dancer for dialogue. Basically, yeah. Te- technically, you can. Yeah, you, you, technically, in Radiant Dawn, you can use the magic cards, which to trigger the dialogues, give them to the hounds. Which, thinking about, it, we didn't talk about that. We haven't talked about the magic cards for game. Oh, yeah. I barely <laughs> remember they they just just as, Probably <laughs> shows how much they matter. Yeah, they but, sure are present. They're a cool idea, but man, are they bad. They're, uh, Speaking... For those of you who don't know, they're similar to the Light Brand in Fire Emblem 6. They do a fixed amount of magic damage, um, and physical units can use them. But it's a very low fixed amount. Um, and unlike the Light Brand, it's not giving you anything on enemy phase that you didn't already have. So it's Speaking... pretty limited in usefulness. Speaking of bad, uh, I know we beat up on it last time, but the Blood Contract and Nesala, you know, we talked about yeah. we talked about this a bit earlier, but the twist the twist here is the blood contract is basically used to wash away all of Nesala's bad doings that he's every, everything bad he's done is because of the blood contract with the uh, senators, which I think kind of ruins, ruins Nesala. And it's pretty bad. Also goes back to, uh, there's some things that can't really explain in path of radiance. I I mean, I think I choose to interpret it as only that latest betrayal in part three is because of the blood contract. I don't think the Path of Radiance stuff was supposed to be. At least I hope I I think the Path of Radiance stuff makes much more sense that just being feuding between him and the Hawk tribe, whereas him going like, whereas, you know, the Crows literally killing all the young and old at, you know, in Phoenix. That's that's this game. 
Benyon is back in Crimea by the time you're fighting Nasala's people. So if they wanted him to fuck off, they could just force him to, and they but, apparently you know, didn't care to. The thing, I, the thing that sort of comes to my mind is Nasala selling out Rayson to the senators and getting a crap ton of money, and I'm thinking, why, why, why would they even pay Nasala if they have the blood contract? Because they probably didn't at that time. So there's two reasons. One is the writers didn't go, we need a reason for things to happen. Blood contracts. They yeah. weren't there at that I point. I can imagine that like Lacane wasn't part of that plot and he was the only one who knew about it or something. I don't know. It's really hazy and it's just yeah. bad. Like we're, we're jumping through all these hoops to justify the blood contract, which we don't even like. <laughs> the reason is the writers didn't get to the point where they had to invent blood contract to justify plot points that they need to happen that's that's the that's the real reason yeah it just feel, it just feels like it undermines like nasala being like this kind of scumbag scheming scheming raven like uh give them yeah. the out like ah uh, you know i was doing everything for the good of my people because you know this blood contract i mean you you know how it is makai right like you know, <laughs> I, I've, I've murdered a lot of people but it, it's all good it's all good you were ready to kill people with rocks, Micaiah. You get it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> rocks and burning oil. Micaiah's no saint. Micaiah doesn't fuck around, which is why it's such a shame <laughs> she isn't in part four, basically. Gonna bust it out the burning oil oh, yeah. again. I feel like, in general, part four centers things to be about Ike again in a way that feels a little forced. Like, Man, by this point, Ike has no particular... You know, he's, in lore, probably the most powerful or among the most powerful people in there, but that's kind of it. Like, he's still just nobody, which is cool. That's, like, his thing. That's what makes him stand out. But then, you know, when it's like, only I can kill Ashura, probably because they, you know, they wanted it to happen in a cutscene and they only made the one cutscene, which, like, fine. But, you know, this is Radiant Dawn. You've spent all this time building people up. If I want to kill Ashura with Fiona, I should be able to. Nope. Uh, <laughs> And then at the end, they have this big monologue about how Ike is this legendary, famous, awesome, amazing person. And it's like, it's not wrong, but it feels off. I don't know. Yeah. Or it but feels like he should have been more involved in the overall story to justify that. But yeah. I think I think a lot of it is carried by, I think a lot of Ike in general is carried by how he is in Path of Radiance. Definitely. Yeah. I was going to mention as well... Um, we talked a lot, in particular last episode, about how Skirmir kind of takes over as the protagonist, in particular with Part 3, which is still sort of the meat of this game. He kind of especially, I think he gets a little bit of dialogue here and there in the beginning of Part 4, but he kind of, like, completely disappears by the yeah, end. Which he's also yeah. completely gone. Yeah, which, I mean, it it makes sense to a degree, just because everything is kind of much bigger than him at this point with all this crazy Sephirin, Ashura stuff, blood contract and whatever. But I don't know. <laughs> I feel like they could have made a way to work him into the, the plot a little bit better. I think that's just true of like everything in part four is that the plot goes so grand yeah. that even some of the biggest players get kind of sidelined. Like Sanaki well, gets sidelined. You have even the Black Knight feels like a sideshow at this whole thing. Like it, yeah. he's pretty much there, just there to ha for him and Ike to have this final fight. Yeah, it doesn't really yeah, do a need to happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah well, the, other, the only other thing I can imagine is imagine if Se if Sephiroth was like, "Hey, like Zelgius, instead of like fighting Ike here, go to the floor above me and protect the goddess." 
Like, imagine that. If, if Ashura was like, hey, I'm going to superpower Black Knight, boom. Like, that would be a nightmare. Because, yeah. as we all know, Black Knight's the most powerful thing alive, except for hammers. And <laughs> he would really he would really fuck you up. Yeah, or, or have the Black Knight and, and Laron fight, fight together on the yeah, same floor. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, no, no spirits, just the two of them. Just, you know, just two... two That's what I'm saying about <laughs> this whole thing. They should have been partners. Any other story things anyone wants to talk about here? I uh, I know we've been complaining about a lot of minor stuff. I will... I just want to throw out... I do like a lot of the background lore we get in part four about, like, how Tellius was created, how, like, life came about, about how, like, the flood happened, hearing about the huge big war. Like, there's so much information yeah. about Tellius that it's probably one of the most well-developed settings in the entire series, and there's a reason why people really like it, and it's really remarkable how I think I know more about Tellius history than I do about, like, real world history, which is kind of sad <laughs> and pathetic, but, like, like it's a really, it's a really compelling fantasy setting with really well-developed problems and philosophies and ways of life, and I think just as a whole, Tellius is really good at that, and part four does some cool world-building for some of the, the lore and expanding that. Outside part four of reveals some a of ton problems. of mysteries, and I think the content yes. behind those reveals is always good, and the delivery is usually good. Uh, the Black Knight was not, but otherwise, it's mostly pretty good. And the you know the presentation's poor, but yeah, it really feels like this sketched out, fleshed out world in a way that many other do not. Most other, I would Most say, other, other than yeah. maybe like you draw, you could make the argument. I, I think Tellius kind of doesn't compare in a good way to anything else in in the series. Yeah, certainly not engage. <laughs> Oh, Devin, you had you had something you wanted to, some story thing you wanted to talk about? Oh, I, I was gonna say really quickly. Um, I, I I agree. I think like the the reveals are handled well for the most part. In some ways, and this is gonna sound crazy, but hear me out for a second. <laughs> um, in some ways, part four is is almost not long enough, if that makes sense. Because even though, as we've talked about, by the end of part three, that feels like a full Fire Emblem game, but they decide to go with this crazy you know end game map in part three and the whole what is it 80 80 deaths 60 deaths you know to 80 yeah 80 to trigger ashra awakening and then it feels like all right we've got so much shit that we need to reveal so here you go just long cut scenes in between all these tower maps and things like that to reveal things about characters that most of which we've heard of but haven't like necessarily seen a lot of in the story and like you said well i think a lot of the revelations and and things that they talk about are cool it it feels like there's almost not enough room for it to breathe if that makes sense purely from a story perspective I think that's largely because most of all those developments happen in the tower. And well, exactly, the, yeah. <laughs> the first, the, and the first six maps, aside from the very start... Almost uh, irrelevant. <laughs> yeah, you get some... Yune does says some stuff with, like, Sonaki, and so Ike gets some stuff from Enna, and then Alinzia uh, uh, and Tavarn don't get anything, really, at yeah. all. Black uh, Knight I does. mean, the, the cleanup stuff is useful and worth doing. I'm glad that it's in the game that you do get rid of, like, Valtome and Azuka. I guess mostly just those two, but... <laughs> I, I think you could It doesn't really like, tie Darren... into anything else. Yeah, like, Ike, yeah. Yeah, Ike doesn't really have anything to tie in. Like, Oliver, Oliver we could have just assumed, was still dead, and they could have replaced him with someone else, and like, alright, you know, what's... 
what's what what are we doing here i mean they could have hypothetically replaced um oliver with the, there was another senator who like hetzel or something like that hetzel. who very clearly hetzel, yeah. didn't want to be there and yeah. very clearly disagreed with everything the senators did they didn't i mean they, they were they brought oliver to be alive for his music like let's, let's just be honest that's yeah. why he's there it's for his music and he's funny fat guy right but like i was just gonna say he's funny <laughs> fat <guy>. yeah <laughs> he it's exactly those two reasons and nothing else but like they could have reasonably put hetzel in that spot to change recruiting method obviously but like he was very clearly someone who did not agree with what the senators were doing but was like in too deep to be willing to get out and they didn't have to have him be like well guess i'm just in this until i die was Isn't an option. Method talked to him with Raphael. That no, no, he talks he to Raphael. Talks, he oh, talks okay. to Raphael on he recruits himself. He recruits himself, <laughs> just <Which>? like Oliver. <laughs> it's in yeah. character, on brand. Uh, I, I, I think the other thing I was just thinking of is part of me wonders if, sort of during their initial planning back for like Path of Radiance, if they were like possibly even considering like a trilogy of games, and then. Once Path of Radiance came out and didn't get the sales they wanted, they're like, ooh, we probably realistically could do one more. And we're, we're kind of on thin ice here because our sales have been steadily declining. Yeah. Because that's very well-known part of the history. And then Path of Radiance, obviously, did not set the world on fire. And so I Fire Emblem was kind of on life support for a bit. At least the same week as Mario Galaxy. It never yeah, classic. <laughs> um. I mean, I, I, yeah, I was going to say, I think the other thing that you could have done with the Senator stuff as well, like Darren, you were saying sort of all give them, what was it? All give them their own map and have each army sort of take care of it. Yeah. Um, Make them I think leading the, other, the devoted. Like, yes. Instead of just random jabronis who are in some cases, it's <laughs> yeah. like, who are you? This is, this is part of where we shouldn't have literally who bosses anymore. <laughs> no, I know. But I, I was going to say as well, the other way that you could do it is you could sort of condense it that for whatever reason all the senators are sort of there in in one map and you take care of the senators and then uh, uh you could have i i think you could have a more organic way of um sort of unveiling some of the things that you learn in the tower that aren't just like all sprung upon you at once in between maps that make you want to kill yourself <laughs> like if if you sort of condense the senators in that way it gives you room to tell the story a little bit better i think a little bit more naturally they could all be going through the woods and come across the Black Knight, and he doesn't let them pass, and they have to kill him. Oh, shit. <laughs> I will say, in defense of how they did the Senators, I think it would be out of character for the majority of them to be on the front lines in that. The only reason they were sure, present yeah. in the tower is that that was it. It was do or die at that point, and they really had no other choice but to do. Like, there's no universe that those Senators would have like actually taken the front lines so i feel in like particular i Valtome kind of suggested i feel like you could justify it by saying like the goddess literally told me to or yeah, it could sure. be a thing of the goddess is like you're a piece of shit i don't like you but you <laughs> will obey <laughs> me so go go fight or i will get rid of you or yeah, like or they're just Baltome. and then or Hetzel, they're just so you can recruit up. away or they're True. just so high on their own fumes, like, ah, I'm blessed by the goddess, you peasants ain't got nothing on me. And then they, I mean, that's they, basically their attitude in the tower. Yeah, that's basically their attitude yeah. in the tower. So I feel like, like that would apply to, like, almost all of them except Lacane, though. I feel like he... I feel like he thinks... Yeah, well, because, I mean, he appears in earlier in Part 4 before the tower, but he leaves before he can get too close to him. Which I, I feel like... Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, because right. he appears in the desert chapter with whatever other senators there, but then things start going bad. And he's like, "I'm gonna head out. I don't want to deal with all this shit," which is on brand. And I feel like the only reason he actually dies in the tower, he has nowhere else to run away to. Yeah, I could, I could, I could say that's reasonable justification for his character since he's their ring leader of all the yeah. senators. Yeah, yeah. It looks. I mean, I don't know about you guys. It sounds like we're we're getting towards the end here should we do last thoughts podcast mailbag yeah yes so i want to start with one uh from our lovely patron um varun who's asking where else would you have tormod and co rejoin the story to make them value uh join during part three fuck like make them join to start part three here's here's my pitch actually Part three starts and off screen, Benyon killed a Lagoo's messenger. And that's the reason that they're going to war. And you find out all of this in like a sudden info dump from the narrator. And then Ike is just like, hey, we're here. We're doing this. They, this happened. So I think during part two, you should give the Tormod crew some maps where that is happening. Because they're the Lagoo's people. They're heading back from Dayan. That could be where you see that they killed a messenger. And it can be juxtaposed. Like Alincia you know, does her thing, but then, oh shit, there's still going to be a war. Like, you or, can even have it to be where Tormod and co were, like, escorting the, uh, the messenger. Or, like, they, they yeah, met up with exactly. them. Or anything like that. Because, like, be there. Why, why be isn't he involved in the Lagoos war when he's, yeah, like, the You just make it like She's not doing anything yet. else. Yeah, or yeah. I think you, where you have, like, Nephany, Brom, and Har join, like, just have yes. Tormod and his group join there, like, if, it like, makes they have more reason so than, like, sense. Yeah. yeah, like, I think there's one line, I I don't actually remember why Brom, Nephany, and Har are even joined at that moment. I know why Ileana joins at that time, because that's when the Merchant Caravan gets there. I don't know why those, those four, like, with Heather, joined think, at the same time. Did they go with the Merchant, or the, the, I think... They were no, because the merchants never went to Crimea. No, they never went to Crimea. I think that like Alincia, like essentially sent them to Ike, maybe because it's not like she she couldn't personally get involved, but like sent those. I'd have to look again. I think there is. It's either some... that or they heard about the war and they wanted to go fight with Ike. Which, but that doesn't make any sense for Nephany and Brom. They would never do that. Yeah, or Har and like when Tor- Tormod has more reason to join at that moment. Than yes, yes those, Tormod than those would hundred percent makes sense like, for the Lagoon Alliance. I think yeah. Har does mention he was sent by the Queen. I think he does, and yes. he makes sense because he basically is from the start of Part Two, like sort of under Alincia's employ. So she yeah. just is like, "Oh, go help Ike. Go help him destroy everything between him or, and Ben." Or 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 Har, you could just say like, "Ah, oh, he just got." He got caught up. He did, did another delivery after that Crimea, and just yeah. what do you know? It's it like, in another oh, war. I just wanted to nap, dude. Come on, man. I should really get this he chronic is the sleeping guy in the world. Yeah, true. So, just around that time is like where like really should. Yeah, yeah. Bring him back then, and then also give them some stuff in part two so that they can get to promotion by that point. I think. Well, there, there, well, in, there are Tormod's already a sage. Yeah, he's a like level yeah, okay. eight sage yeah, or something like that. Safe. Yeah, he's a fire sage. Yeah, he Still would have been he fine. He would he would have been the only thing I could see against it is like both of your fire sages are like al- at, at, at almost the same level and stats are in the same army at the same time. But, but that's I mean, about it, really. Fair. But I mean, it's not worth kneecapping Tormod. Yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, it, it would have been nice to have Morum around because Mor- Morum's stats are actually like yeah. pretty. He's pretty solid. Like, Tigers even, are good. Even, yeah, even good. in part four, he's like still okay. He's like okay, like in the part four yeah. where where Vika and Dormod are worthless. Morum's like he's okay. So if he joined at like the beginning of part three, dude would have torn just everything up. But, yeah, Morum. Yeah, this is the problem having them both in the same army than just move Khalil over. Yeah, yeah, and but you'd have to be they, screwed they, with the knights, basically. Yeah, but they yeah. also give us uh, having two of the same type. They give us Leth and Liar, and also at the yeah. same time, and, and also uh, Mordecai and Kaiza at the same time. Yep. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh boy, just throw we all the, the objectively in better too. We've established there's not a lot of rhyme or reason to unit availability. No, I don't no. think so. No, yeah. especially all those people with the wheel. one that are just randomly inaccessible in certain chapters, like yeah. Fiona. Yeah. Like Tormod and crew. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, going uh, another question here from uh, CS Wins. Uh, who would you remove from the Forced Tower roster and why is it Sonicky? <laughs> 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 so, like, Sonicky has to be there for, like, I guess the LeBron, you know, confrontation and also the yes. Senators, I guess. Yes. And that, that's why she has to be there. Ina why doesn't, does, though. Ina doesn't have to be there for the Dragons oh. at all. I Kurth. I guess technically has to be there. Kurth you know, should be there. Yeah, Kurt unfortunately, should... he just shouldn't fucking yeah. suck. So, so should not be there. <laughs> no, so should not be forced recruit. He's well, he's lost not. his main character status at that point. Yeah, by that point, you, he could just be like, all right, Makai, Makai, like, all right. So I trust you to you know help everyone fend off the enemies at the bottom yeah. of the tower yeah. while we climb it. Because that's the justification so that everyone who you don't bring to the tower is playing a Dynasty Warriors Fire Emblem game. Yeah, right, <laughs> fighting off <laughs> everyone. So cool, actually. You don't see cutscenes that are in engine like that very often, where like stuff like that happens. The whole camp is under attack, and you're like doing your last <clears throat> base conversation while it's under siege by all the goddess blessed people. Yeah, um, that was a pretty cool moment. Yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think Sonicy Sonicy has to be there, but Enna and Soth don't. Need to be there yeah. at all. Yeah. The think. only reason Soth is there is because Makaya is there. But at that point, like Makaya is even not even barely. She's there. Bar- her body <laughs> is present, yeah. but like, how many lines of dialogue does she really have? Yeah, you know, going back, could it just if if Yune was just the talking bird, then you know we could have also just not. <laughs> or or make the whisper caps and promotion bonuses insane so that Soth is good in part four. Yeah, that too. And also like that's better. Yeah, knives better, or just not have Soth promote at the start of part four. Yeah. <laughs> also, shout out to Soth having a higher luck uh, cap when he's uh, yeah before he promotes. <laughs> he lost five luck for yeah. me to go yeah, down to the really? new cap. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he had he had capped luck. <laughs> and he yeah, went, it was like minus five. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, because Rogue has a forty luck cap, but uh, Whisper has thirty five. So if you have his luck capped. He uh he loses stats on promotion. I guess also in second flight, why is Anna Force as well? We did we cover that? We kind of covered yeah. it. Like yeah, Kurth needs to be present because of his thing with his father. Anna doesn't yeah. necessarily have to. You probably could have had her. Just cut. make it optional bonus dialogue if you brought her. Yeah, like she's like a pink dragon. I yeah. feel like they could just give you an open selection of who to bring, except for maybe like Ike and Micaiah. Um and then then you select your people, and if it doesn't include the plot important ones, they could just be like, "I'm sorry, but I gotta come too," and then you yeah. just can't use them to fight. 
Yeah, they're just there for story yeah. purposes. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's what happens if they die. Yeah. They're, like, True. Uh, not the keep... ones that are game overs, but like when story important characters die and they don't want to make it a game over, they'll just have them still be around. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, that's an age old Fire Emblem thing at this point. Yeah. Oh, at this point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, point, but even back then. Uh, and then I guess the last one here is from Tin, who says, "How would you change the maps? I don't even. Oh, I mean, don't make them route. Honestly, like, yeah, yeah, don't, don't make them route. Well, I think the first, the the first Ike and Makaya one. I don't think the first ones for them are too bad as routes, but yeah, like, they don't barn, vomit reinforcements at you like the other ones do. Yeah, but I think it's chapter two that it starts getting bad, if I remember. Yeah, and that's including like yeah. prologue plus one. So the yeah, yes. the third chapter. Yeah." Like if just don't make them route. Like, do you, they do you have bosses with clear defined faces that like, all right, yes, we should kill these people, and like, it makes as much sense for the enemies to scatter or just assume be cleaned up at the end. Like a yeah. lot of all <laughs> like defeat bosses or you can or take... even have a throwaway line that says like the leader of this army is the source of the blessing or something like that or like yeah especially they're, they're an amplifier yeah they're yeah. amplifying the blessing or they're leadership holding stars. their army together yeah leadership there you go there, there you are go. leadership stars in this game is the thing like I, I yelled about it earlier just involve the senators involve some of the bit players so it's not faceless mooks and have them not be route maps and chill out on some of those reinforcements please yeah. by god good lord if you want to be really cool you could do an escape map where they have to escape into the tower yeah that, that, yeah, that, that, that would have been cool yeah that's a good idea i, lo I love an escape an escape is such an underutilized radiant dawn has it it's bonus it does, yeah. bonus points for the units that escape go into the tower that, and it yeah. stops that after, would be interesting you know, 10 and there yeah. you go but also i think uh but you also really can't force X amount of characters to do the it one, that way. The ones you don't escape with are just gone. You can't use them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but I would also uh, shit. Yeah. I think for the tower specifically, like somehow like foreshadow or build up needing the the importance of like Nahil and parody for a lot of the true. Fights. Yeah, like <laughs> very that, true. It, you know, it's, as we said, before, they become like, extremely good out of nowhere. Right. Also, the tower itself. Like in some cutscenes, have people like standing around the tower talking about the tower. Like it is a thing, a holy goddess place. It's weird that it just suddenly pops into existence. Yeah. In practice. Like I know in Path of Radiance, I'm sure they hadn't thought of it. So, okay, fine. And then in this game, you're not really spending any time in Banyan, but there are cutscenes there. So, well, isn't it? Isn't it like one of the title? Isn't the tower like one of the title screens in Path of the Path of Radiance when you're just sitting? Yeah, there? the tower doesn't appear out of nowhere. Yeah, the tower is just in Banyan. Well, I think it it gets bigger. I think. Yes. Well, yeah. Well, it's like I, bigger I mean, on the inside. No, yeah, I don't mean it literally appears out of nowhere. I just mean like they could have yeah, foreshadowed yeah. its existence mm -hmm. more. Yeah, I get some offhanded dialogue, and then there's like, some right. weird light coming from Banyan. And then yeah, it's like all right, everything <laughs> it's has just to a bird. go to the building. <laughs> A talking bird. <laughs> All right. Uh, is that it for questions? final word, everybody? Yeah. Get your closing thoughts right. on the Telia saga right here, right now. I didn't realize um, how much I was annoyed by uh, the bird. I'm now <laughs> like notably annoyed by Yune. It's just a bird. Wow. I hate that. Yeah, it's just a bird. Just a bird. <laughs> 
Why is it a bird? Makaya can't have pets? What do you mean? No. No, she can't. All right. She, she can't How have chaotic god bird pets. <laughs> Those are strictly they un- forbidden. They unironically sort of handle that whole Yune problem like we were talking about better in Heroes, which is kind of funny. <laughs> like, they just make her the little... In her, what is it? Her brave alt. They make her the little ghost on her shoulder, and it kind of works. Oh, better. that is that does sound better. See, now I'm wondering if if someone touches the bird, will they also go insane and kill people? <laughs> yeah, we don't. You like, imagine it do just it. like lands on Soft's shoulder, and he's just like. I mean, if that's the case, why don't we use Yune as a weapon? Like, why aren't we just True. like sticking Yune on bosses and just they go nuts? Why doesn't Yune do that at any point? That's the well, Berserk staff. Is you just point and Yune flies over. Point. Yune, get that one. Get that one right there. <laughs> well, I, I think I think technically it's the, then they get the then they get the dark chaotic energy and get stronger like Ashnard or Grail did when they when they uh, okay. So then you'd be like, but then there then there's a gameplay thing like, do you Berserk the boss and make them stronger to have? have them kill their allies but then you have to deal with a stronger boss or that'd be cool or do you yeah. <laughs> it, it would be but realistically there's so yeah. much there's so much shit going on in this game yeah. one extra element like much. that would probably would have broken it <laughs> yeah <laughs> judging well, by how things are in this game your your we want... just like burst into flames when you put <laughs> it in like, <laughs> i just want an excuse to sick bird yune on something i don't care the excuse i don't care why i just want it to happen Tell any remaster. modders listening. Yeah, remaster or any modders yeah, listening. Make... <laughs> Tellius IS if if the Tellius remake and remaster doesn't have birds, it doesn't have this bird Yune right. thing. If the we birds don't replace Thaney with Yune's bird form, I'm gonna riot. <laughs> Just sparrow. Yeah. Birds are <laughs> birds are birds there. Are... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah. But yeah, final thought. listening. If yeah, you guys course. didn't know, like they oh, listen to every episode, yeah, of course. yeah, yeah. Well, because you know their nephews are doing a podcast, so <laughs> right, <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Our uncle. I was just about to say, my <laughs> uncle works at intelligence systems. Yeah, it's just yeah. familial support. Yeah, but I guess Devin, since this was your first time playing through Radiant Dawn, and I guess the Telly series as a whole, what what are your final thoughts for the closing? Uh, my thoughts are just like you know a lot of personal life stuff going on lately so i didn't get to look into the story as much as i really would have liked to especially just with not having finished path of radiance previously so i felt like i was kind of like hampered at the get-go so that's something i'd really like to to read thoroughly on a playthrough uh, a replay through and also i mean this this has kind of been the case with like half the games that we've done which is sort of unfortunate but in i i really think like radiant dawn is perhaps the worst game to draft in the series yes (laughs) it's up it doesn't it doesn't feel great it just having i i i don't know it's been such a roller coaster because in part one and part two i was like all right this i'm i'm kind of getting this this is fun and then if you guys remember i was really high on the game in in part three i was really enjoying it and then this is like some of the most most painful gameplay i've ever had for one of these retrospectives it's it was it was not fun it was not fun but i do really look forward at some point in the next i don't know year two years i have a steam deck now so it would be a lot easier just to do it portably or something like that going through uh path of radiance and radiant dawn without the restrictions that we place on ourselves for these games um and going through them radiant dawn i mean it's it's uh this is the most like 
journalist or critic thing to say in the world but radiant dawn is it's intelligent systems double album right like it feels like there's two games in here <laughs> like there's there's just so much stuff and so much going on and even though a lot of it doesn't work for me in in some respects like thracia i feel like you have to just give intelligent systems props it's like these mad lads they pulled it off <laughs> like they put all this shit in here and it doesn't all work but God, did they try? Um, yeah, I don't know. In terms of series-wise ride ranking, I, it's kind of impossible for me to rank at this point, especially with my first playthrough being a draft. But I overall, I'll say I, I definitely enjoyed the game more than it annoyed me, just as I think all of us and probably everyone that's ever played uh, Radiant Dawn, it's really unfortunate that, like, almost unquestionably inarguably the worst part of the game is the last part <laughs> which which is a shame yeah, unfortunate oh, to end on <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. the final boss is at least good that helps a little i think yeah well, i do the really very like last chapter. The final boss. Dev, devin didn't make it to the final boss no, we didn't just, mention that, we didn't right? mention he, didn't, that. he didn't complete the game he stopped the that chapter just happen. before you had no, the extra actually, half literally... hour i thought Okay, now that yeah. we're bringing this up, uh, I was trying to skip through stuff, so I um, I blessed, I didn't realize, like, about the blessing weapons thing, so I just blessed, like, Javelin <laughs> and Axe. You blessed stuff that did zero damage. Yeah, exactly. So the Degencia chapter took me, like, an hour and a half, and I was like, oh my god, what, <laughs> what has happened with this, this game? This is why you rotate your saves, people. Well, I did, but I was already, I was working against the clock. And by the time yes. I figured it out, I was like, oh, I, I did this incorrectly. I was like, it'd probably be quicker if I just like tried to push through it. That was the wrong decision. <laughs> they tell you, make sure everyone is holding their strongest weapon. But he was skipping dialogue. We should know I can't, we should know I can't read at this point. I no, mean, come on. Hey, so yeah. close. But you did beat Laron. You just, right? You did beat the Laron chapter or did you? Not. I beat Degencia. No. That was the last one no, I that, finished. That was always so done. two chapters. So Sephram, yeah, Sephram. I was doing the Sephram chapter before we we hopped in. You know, I I will I will make this promise when we so next episode we'll talk about this probably mention it at the very end here. We're we're doing conquest next. Um, I have so little to go with this game. I I will finish it. I will just like I did rotate save, so I have a save at uh. I refuse the to second map. No, I'll do it. I'll do it. No, I'll you won't. It. Don't lie I'll to do me it. like if, that. If I don't do it, I'll donate, I don't know, $20 to the Patreon. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That, that, you're just giving yourself money. Yeah, that's <laughs> not... Don't you're tell just, them. <laughs> you're giving Patreon a cut. You're paying yourself. Devin will give one of our generous patrons his copy of Radiant Dawn. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll do a lottery uh, of all of our patrons. Sure. Sure. Wait, do you have a copy, though? I do. Not with me currently, but I do have a copy. Yeah. Okay, there you go. Yeah, so you've got to finish Actual it by next stakes. episode, or we're giving it away. Yeah, or I'm giving, like, I don't even... How, what is it now? Like, 200 it's bucks or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not that much. Oh, no, Path of Radiance is the, the, the moneymaker in the family, which is true yes. of Telia Saga in general. Yeah, one, one of you guys. Let's. I think I'm the only one that went, right? <laughs> yes, yeah, Hotzer, you're, you're... Okay. So I was I was pretty negative this part. Uh, honestly, I don't have that much no of a problem with the ending. Uh, like the gameplay is very bad, of course, but uh, your units are also good. Like it's just 
I mean, I genealogy I like, so I have no problem with reading a book on enemy phase and just getting through it. Um, I have a lot of nitpicks, basically, at the end. But overall, I'm still a huge fan of this game. It is... It might be my favorite in the series, or it's close. I think it really... It's fantastically ambitious, and it is not massively failing to live up to that ambition. It doesn't, like, flub things. It is not a mess. This is not a, a Sonic 06 experience. Oh, things are mostly polished. They mostly work in story and in gameplay. There are just issues, and there are more of them at the end, which is a, a real bummer. But I, I love this game. And I think Micaiah ranks really highly among Lords as being interesting and unique and bringing things to the table that others do not, as does Ike, uh, less so in this game. But, you know, he's still around. He's still his cool self. The fact that he gets promoted to a Lord, like, in the story in Path of Radiance and then just fucks off and doesn't like it, that's so perfect. Yeah. yeah. And that is unique to, the, you know, you don't find that out until this game. Uh, I love Tellius. I think the world building is exceptionally well done. Even in this game, you're getting to see the other side of the occupation. You're getting to see the fallout um, of, you know, the fact that you can't just snap your fingers and end racism, even if the queen is good about it. The fact that your allies from the last game are total dicks now, but they kind of always were, and you were just willing to put up with it. I think it's really good. I wish it were better, but you know what? I will live with that. Favorite game, probably. Maybe Genealogy. And I haven't played Thracia yet, so we'll see. Keegan, how about you? Yeah, I think uh, I think Tellius ranks fairly high for me. I mean, uh, I mean, we've spent no shortage of time talking about issues with just gameplay stuff in this game but i think world building is done excellently in this game like the world of tellius is as we have said is very interesting and i think it carries a lot of people's opinions on path of radiance and radiant dawn in particular because radiant dawn does a lot of the legwork to build tellius especially in the tower yeah. i think that people's opinion of tellius as a continent does influence their opinion in the game and it has them willing to overlook some of those shortcomings like part four having five route chapters in a row with 50 reinforcements every turn. Like, I think I think I'm on that boat, too, where like I yes, those sections of the game sucked. They were boring. They were a slog. They were frustrating. But like in the grand scheme of things, I have put up with worse in the series for less. And I think <laughs> as we're going to get to. Um, yeah. <laughs> I I do think I don't know if I have like a a ranking on where I put games anymore. I'd probably have to put like I wouldn't want to just throw it in a spot. I'd probably want to give that some like more substantial thought because since the last time I actually thought about it, I think my opinions have probably changed quite a bit. But I do think Tell mm -hmm. um, Radiant Dawn ranks probably pretty well for me because I mean, like I said, with the the re the um the world building of Tellius does enough legwork that I'm pretty willing to overlook this game's few nitpicks and shortcomings that hold it back from being like the best of the best to me. I, I think I'll go next just so we can have sure. Darren end on a more positive yeah. note. I <laughs> know <laughs> <laughs> for me, I don't, I, I, as, as we talked about in the path of radiance, I don't, I don't like path of radiance and radiant dawn. I feel like started a lot better with part one and mm -hmm. it just never, never got back to the highs of part one for me. And, the gameplay, the gameplay mechanics, as a lot of ambitious as they are with the army swapping and whatnot, I don't think it's executed well enough for me to give it credit for the ambition. 
and for that in that sense then it's sort sort of just then fall, falls falls on its face for me a lot and that said it's there's still there's still some ideas that are executed well and it is still i would say generally worth uh, worth a playthrough and it's about it's about middle of the pack of the series for me in all honesty that's my thoughts it's all right it's a respectable place i think yeah. for me part of this too part of the, part of our process is that we do drafts partly to spice up for some of us who've played these games several times to spice up the playthrough. And like Devin mentioned, Radiant Dawn is probably one of the weaker games to do a draft for. I think part of me needs to kind of think back to if you just do this as a casual on your own time playthrough, this game is more enjoyable than what it is in a draft format. Those flaws are drawn out quite more. Like you don't have to fight 80 units of two units when you play on a casual playthrough, unless you're doing that to yourself for some reason, which you know, <laughs> people in this community do to themselves all the time. Uh, people love challenge runs, but so I think this game does have better gameplay than what I may give it credit for in this. It's that's sort of true of all the games. We do some of these retrospectives for some games lend themselves better to this, this format than others. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of Tellius. I obviously, Love the Black Knight. That is not something I hide. Um, <laughs> I do think that between revisiting both games in the series, that I think our retrospective on Path of Radiance and this game really reaffirmed my love for Path of Radiance. Is one of Path of Radiance is probably a top three game in the series for me. I've always liked Path of Radiance, and the last playthrough, I really, really enjoyed it. Was like, damn, like I should play through this game again sometime. Path of Radiance. When this game came out at launch, I played it so much, I got eye strain. And I think there's part of me still here. I still really appreciate the ambition, like we've all said. They were trying to accomplish a lot, maybe two, three games in one. They weren't always successful, but there's something about the Tellius games that they achieve that the other games the series don't, is that I really care about the stakes here. Path of Radiance got me invested in the world, and Radiant Dawn really plays with your emotions and your investment in the setting. And I think it does a great job with that, but it's not always as successful as it could be. And part of that is likely due to crunch and overambition in some aspects. And I think absolutely both games are worth playing through. And if you're going to play through Radiant Dawn, especially for the first time, probably don't do a draft. Don't yeah. do it to yourself. It's not Path of it. Radiance is do an not. amazing first game in the series, and Radiant Dawn is a perfectly good second game, and it's probably the thing to play if you've just played Path of Radiance. Um, so just, you know, if you've got a Steam Deck or a computer, or I guess a Wii and a copy, but like... Or <laughs> if Nintendo does? decides to do something, and maybe, yeah. you know, do a collection, or but these, even these a digital download. This is by Don't no means a situation breath. where you should really just wait for the remake. This is not Gaiden. They are perfectly playable now. Turn animations off, for the love of God. But, you know, with, with that in mind, they are perfectly playable now. Well, there's technically, with this with the 3DS shop down, there's now only, you can now only legally purchase two two Fire Emblem games. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. you can't, God, they dropped true. the FE1 to also, because that was... Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's just three houses and engage now. I think with the Game Boy Advance, the nintendo online thing you can now get fe7 in north america i think that's but, true and i think you, I, i'm I, like I think almost 100 it's coming. 
It will. I'm almost but, 100% yeah. sure that uh, if you have like a Japanese Nintendo account, you can play on the Super Nintendo one genealogy and I think maybe FE3 yeah. or something. You, you do have to have a Japanese account. The yeah, game will obviously be, be in Japanese, but if you are an American or not Japanese, European uh, has the same rules apply. You've got yeah. two options. Yeah, but either, yeah. either either way, the Tellius games are going to be a long way from getting remade or unfortunately put it, even put out on a virtual console unfortunately nintendo online so yeah it, don't 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 hold out hope for them <laughs> and also don't, don't give into the don't give into the 200 dollars ebay people either. don't do it it's not uh, worth it's, it. it's not, not. It's especially especially like with radiant dawn since there is the skip enemy phase but you need to have beaten the game for it like oh my god without speed up even even with animations off without speed up it's 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 painful <laughs> <laughs> to be clear, it's not a skip enemy phase. They didn't invent that yet. Um, but oh, it, really? It turns, ma- yeah. it turns map no. animations off. Yeah. So you can literally, there's yes. just nothing instead of even the map. Oh, animation. okay. Yeah. Okay. So that is significantly faster. Yeah, and yeah, I always yeah. play that way now. Yeah, which is kind that, of yeah. a shame because I do like the map animations. I think they realized that everyone was going to be using them after Path of Radiance, so they put a little more effort in. Um, but that also makes them take longer. So then you want to turn them off even more. Yeah. yeah it's FE11 that introduces the skip enemy phase, but and but fun mm. thing with the skip enemy phase in in Shadow Dragon is it skips over your units dying on enemies. Well, in Shadow Dragon, <laughs> is that really so big a deal? <laughs> to some people, yes, but you could just go, you could just skip enemy phase. And like, where did my where did my units go? Yeah, where's Agma? What happened? They got where, crit. Where's Gordon? <laughs> Not Gordon. Shit. Ah. Uh, yeah, so I think that's that's all our thoughts on Radiant Dawn, right? We did it. That we is it. it. So yeah, see us next time for Conquest. Uh, I guess we're gonna have to decide how much we're playing up to. <laughs> yeah. But um, oh, leave it for a surprise for. It'll be part one of Conquest, whatever that means. I'm assuming. Yeah, it's probably not gonna be one part like Birthright. And also, just keep in mind for any of you guys who may or may not be playing along with us, uh, we already covered the first. God, what is it? Eight six seven chapter J- just the intro with fates that you, yeah, you play on every single route yeah so we won't be oh, going boy. over that again we might be yeah. playing it again i guess for certain builds i don't know i haven't yeah. really played fates potentially a lot. I don't know. but yeah, we yeah, won't yeah. be talking yeah. about it again yeah 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 um we'll, we'll are you guys the conquest stuff. we'll be going straight into the conquest stuff and my god are, aren't you excited to have all the like genuinely i would say of all the retrospectives we did we had the most to say about the story in this game and, and you guys gave up some really i think clever ways to fix and tweak things let's uh let's get ready for the intelligent discussion we have about conquest story <laughs> i'll tell you how we fix it we don't it's unsalvageable no radiant dawn was a good story with problems so you want to fix those problems <laughs> Or maybe you just think that they're fixed already because of your headcanon and just forget that it's not yeah, in the, the game. Gymnastics. Uh, yeah, Either exactly. Way. Conquest way, Devin, is lore, more of an unsalvageable master. sludge heap. Well, you're the yeah, lore master, Devin, so you gotta read it all. 
I'm the lore master. I'll read it this time. If not, I'll give away. I don't know. I said my path or, or my radiant dawn. I'll just give away all my worldly possessions. I'll give my uh give my away your fate special away. edition if you yeah, don't. I don't have have oh, you don't have I can, I'll take your yeah. I'll take yours, Husser, and then I can give that away. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not betting yeah, my sure. special edition on you beating gold gold right. You know what? That's that's the deal, guys. We've all heard it. We've all agreed. If I don't do the lore <laughs> stuff, Husser will give away his special edition. <laughs> So oh, stakes are high. Don't worry, Husser. I'll 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 know the lore just to say okay. to your special attention. <laughs> yeah. But when you sell it, I want fifty percent. Well, thank you all for joining us on this episode. Yep. And also just uh because this will come up probably sooner rather than later. Um so we're doing Conquest next, as we said, but uh we've been spacing out all the Fates games with one game in between. So I don't know, probably what, maybe two, three, four weeks. We'll we'll probably throw up a poll on our Discord about what game you guys want to see after Conquest. Uh so yeah, if you want to vo- vote in that, join our Discord. And if you want to be as cool page. as the Black Knight, you should go over to patreon.com slash emblemcast and consider Ooh. helping support the show. Ooh. Join our uh, blessed by the goddess tier uh right, right, with, with... blessing from Yune. <laughs> And it's eighty dollars. It protects you from everything but hammers. It's uh, yeah. it's just t- t- pinned to the uh, current eBay going rate for Path of Radiance. Yeah. <laughs> Farewell. All right, everyone. guys. We'll see you next time. Bye.